You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode 20. If you don't have a healthy food on hand, they can't eat it. And if you don't show them how much you respect your body, they won't respect theirs. Hang in there. I know parenting is tough. I'm in the thick of it. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. In doing this sometimes, it means letting go of what we've been taught and learning a new way. And that's what I'm so passionate about in today's episode. Today, we're going to dig into raising healthy eaters. While this seems like only a topic for parents or soon-to-be parents, I think this two-part series not only opens the eyes of parents, but really anyone as we can see so many parallels to how we eat and our food issues as adults stemming back to when we were children. So if you want to know more about why you could have the habits you do or have children and want to provide a firm foundation, this episode and the following solo shows are going to be just for you. In this first show, we're going to be digging into the how and when of eating, and then the following episode, we'll get into the what of feeding kids, or any human being for that matter. But today specifically, we'll look at the prime example of intuitive eating, when and how food preferences develop, and what our role as parents and adults is, and how this shapes our eating patterns forever. This show is going to be greatly insightful in all walks of life, but especially if you have children or are looking to have them in the future. How we raise eaters makes all of the difference in their health later on in life. So let's get started. Raising healthy eaters seems like such an easy task, and yet it tends to be overly controversial. There really is a lot of confusion around the area, and I would say often gets put into a sensitive topic category. So I may be going out on a limb, even creating anger in some of you, but really I just want to lay the facts, create a firm foundation, and help you see beyond what society is telling us. It really isn't a difficult task, and yet it's one so many people fight. But what we have to remember is that eating is the first independent skill a child will ever learn and should be fostered as they grow and expand on their own. The reality is, when we start to throw off an intuitive pattern in a child, we don't just affect them short-term, but for the long haul. And if we really look at what intuitive eating is, it's something we all desire, And in the end, it's something that we're looking to achieve because this is where lasting health and weight loss comes from. So the definition of intuitive eating is a nutrition philosophy based on the premise that becoming more attuned to the body's natural hunger signals is a more effective way to attain a healthy weight rather than keeping track of the amounts of energy and fats and foods. Basically, it's all about listening to the cues of the body. A great example of this, and maybe our best, is the intuitive eating of our infants. Think about a baby for a minute. It seems like they can go from sleeping to starving in a matter of seconds. And really, there's no consoling an infant until you feed them. 
The same goes for when they are full or set aside. They instantly stop eating and you could leave a bottle in their mouth for an additional hour. And if they aren't hungry, they're just going to let it sit in their mouth or even try to push it out with their tongue. They are prime examples of what we long for. They know exactly when they're hungry, they want food right now, and they know when they're done, when they're satisfied, and they don't want any more. Something that we have the ability to foster in our children to help them grow into a healthy adults and adventurous eaters is intuitive eating. But before we can get into intuitive eating and learning from this, we have to remember a common thing among all of the recent podcasts. We know that our body is not against us. It doesn't self-destruct or cause harm purposefully. We have to first believe that our body wants health and at an expense higher than we realize. Our bodies long for health and it's working tirelessly to provide it. So if we remember that and believe that our bodies want health above all else, then what in the heck is going wrong? What if it's our mind, our habits, and how we think we need to live, which can all begin in childhood? So let's back way up and look at the how and when for a child and learn that this all sets us up for how we are as adults. And yes, I know you're probably wanting to start with the what because that seems like the most practical, but in a series of steps, what to eat is always the last when it comes to health. We must get the how, when, and why right in order to ever get the what right. And that's a good lesson for adults and children. So first things first, if we really believe that there is something to intuitive eating, and that this is how we were born, with a strong awareness to how our body feels and what it needs, then we must start fostering the relationship with our children to let them be in control in many ways. You see, not only are children prime examples of listening to their body, but the first independent skill they learn, again, is eating. Hence why there are so many food fights and battles, maybe partly because they're already showing you their rebellious side as little toddlers, but I think really it boils down to just a need to control something, they are going to have to learn to do anyways. So what better time to learn it as toddlers without any real recognition to all the food our world has created, the addictions that can come with food, and instead let them run with food independence with healthy foods. So the first step to doing this must begin with a why. And to me, this is a really big deal, maybe one of the biggest deals when it comes to eating, stemming to so many adult problems. We need to leave the emotion out of eating, and this goes for children. You see, so often, so many adults struggle with emotional eating, and we've been taught this from such a young age. They recognize, they understand, and they are picking up more of their food habits from watching you than anything else. So first is, don't expect your child to do anything or eat anything you wouldn't. I know that's a harsh reality, and oftentimes I hear parents say, I feed them really well because I want them to be better than me. But remember, their food habits are most often always going to end up just like yours are. So if you haven't made the change, so the first step in raising healthy eaters is really becoming that prime example. So you must fully expect them to follow in your footsteps. So if you rely on foods you don't want them to eat, they'll most likely grow into what you do. If you don't try vegetables and expect them to, there's always going to be a fight. What is even more concerning is that if you attach emotion to eating, you reward yourself with food, you pity yourself with food, you tie every emotion to food, they will too. And this is a hard one to undo. Once we've attached an emotional need outside the physiological need to eat, we've opened up different areas in the brain that ignite the process of making food an addiction. 
In a way, we've begun to lose control. Yet we see this all the time, and even I can fall into this trap. If you sit on the potty, you can have a piece of candy. Or if you do good in school, we can go out for ice cream. Or if you eat everything on your plate, then you can have dessert. We've channeled food into our reward center, and this isn't a good place to line up, for because later in life, we begin tying that to food itself. We think if we eat really good all week, then we can binge all weekend. If I exercise, then I can eat more. If I'm sad, I deserve ice cream. When eating becomes more about life function, we've lost a lot of control, and in the end, we become consumed with something that was only intended for life function. But don't get me wrong, there is balance to this. Food is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be a source of happiness and joy, and sometimes that means getting a treat. That's why most holidays and birthday celebrations function around food. But the difference is, is how you control and act in these situations. It's ultimately about eating in control of your body's needs and enjoying the process, not losing all control because it's the holidays and you deserve it. Do you see the difference? We need to reward and discipline, but we also need to keep the emotion of food out of it and onto other things. Maybe it's toys or doing something like going to a movie or a trip to the pool. Using things and experiences as rewards and punishments rather than food will have a lasting impact on our health. And this is something our schools could take note of as well, considering our kids spend a majority of their waking hours molded and shaped at school. So if we can learn that emotion to food and eating is a touchy one to mess with, and we start to understand just how important independence is in their eating patterns, maybe then we can take a back seat and just help them by creating a good path, but ultimately letting them be in control of the wheel. I know that sounds scary, but this brings me to point number two. Ultimately, kids should have the final choice in what and how much, if any, you just create the course. So you lay out the options and you let them choose. But this can obviously only be done with good food choices, right? I'm not saying lay out all the options that you have from chips to pop to candy. Of course, a child's going to binge on that versus an apple or banana or wholesome food. So as long as you're laying out good, healthy options or what you consider to be good, healthy options, your child isn't going to go wrong. In doing this, though, we have to be constantly be reminding ourselves that in most cases, their bodies are well-controlled and oiled machines that know far more than we do. So if a child doesn't want to eat, and it's more than just refusing out of rebellion, maybe they really aren't hungry. So why force them or override the natural principle? If we do this too often, we will actually lose sight of it. We'll lose the function as adults have that we can no longer tell when we're hungry or full and so we just keep eating. So no matter how scary or frustrating it is, if your child doesn't want to eat their supper, you slaved hours over, let them walk away. Again, within boundaries. And the same goes for eating more than you think is possible. I know that I've experienced both ends of the spectrum where I prepare a supper, I've cooked it, and our kids come to the table and they're like, oh, we're not hungry right now. There's that second of, well, you're going to eat it anyways because I slaved over it. But then the reality hits, they are very in tune to their own bodies. And if they're not hungry, they're not hungry. On the other extreme, I've experienced this with my oldest and all of my kids. And I've wondered at times how they can possibly physiologically eat so much food at once. But again, it's the difference between someone who's left to control what their body is telling them versus most adults who eat out of what the world is telling us to eat. 
You see, if our kids are left to do the job that they were designed, and if we grow and foster that into adults, we become what we call efficient, well-oiled machines. We take in what we need and we dump the rest. It's a perfect harmony and something that we really, really want to strive for. So to clarify, laying out the healthy options and letting them choose if they want to eat, what they want to eat, and how much is really a critical component in raising healthy eaters. It fosters independence, it ends the food wars, and most importantly, it fosters their natural cues. So let's right now make a vow to end the days of forcing a child to sit at the table for hours until they clean their plate or making them try everything on the table. Really, let's end the days of making food and eating miserable and just encourage positive eating. I mean, we can't blame a child for having food preferences. In fact, they will become pickier eaters if we sit and fester and worry over their eating patterns. Remember, if a child is left to eat on their own within reasonable choices, they do an amazing job of getting everything their body needs, even if it seems like they've only eaten the same food for three days. It might not look like what the traditional diet has developed into, but really, isn't this all politics and not biology anyways? Not to mention, it ends the food fights that adults face every day. Take, for instance, my husband, who eats nearly anything at this point in his life, but won't touch peas. Why won't he touch peas? No matter how I cook them. Simply because one of his elementary school teachers forced him to eat his peas every day they had them at lunch, and guess what? He hates them. So is it a preference thing or an emotional baggage thing? I'm thinking the emotional baggage thing. Granted, I still believe in food preferences and tastes, which are different among everyone. But if we dig into it, many people carry around a lot of emotional baggage when it comes to eating. So start to look around. Analyze your own life. See how you were raised, what food fights you had, and then start to understand how these same patterns will affect your child as well. Or maybe you were like me, one of the fortunate ones who was never forced to clean a plate or eat anything I didn't like or want. Now into adulthood, I really don't carry around food as an emotion. Not to mention, I'm a pretty adventurous eater willing to try about anything. And the same goes for my one and only sister. This all stems from my mom who wanted to forge a different path than how she was raised. Belted to the chair, forced to clean her plate, and eat food she didn't like. As you can guess, we now know that she's a very picky eater with funny food patterns and almost this fear of eating. You can see it if you look. So now it's about steering the ship in a different direction. So in addition to leaving the emotion out of food and ultimately letting them choose the what and the if, there's one more point I want to hit on, and that's the ability to teach your child, or think about yourself, about what food is doing to their body. You see, so often we twist the reason behind eating, we don't distinguish that food is having an effect on our body. As adults, we have a hard time understanding this. You see, the biggest point in raising healthy eaters is being flexible, even when it hurts. As much as it pains me to see my child eat things outside of the home that I wouldn't approve of, like pop and chips, endless desserts and candy, I know there is something to being flexible. Letting them experience those things without me forbidding it, knowing I don't want them to rebel. So how do we get around this? First is still being in control at home setting the stage, and only buying what we call safe and approved foods. Basically, all food at home is fair game. We don't buy things I wouldn't want my kids grabbing at any point like pop or candy. Now, maybe this isn't an option, but know that there will be far more food fights because of this. But this is where flexibility comes in. 
knowing that our kids at some point are going to experience foods that maybe we'd rather they wouldn't. It's going to happen, and it can happen on your time, when you can teach them, or later in life when they are more likely to lose control over it. So how I get around these situations is reminding them and talking to them. There is not-so-healthy food in particular that makes my daughter emotionally distraught and causes a headache, and just for her not to feel very good. We see it. We all see it. If you're around her when she eats these foods, you can definitely experience this too. It's emotional wreckage is what happens. So instead of just rubbing it in her face, reminding her why I've told her a million times she shouldn't have eaten it, we use a different approach, using these situations as learning events. I need to preface this by telling you this has been years in the making. So every time she eats these particular foods, she does the same thing. And so in the beginning, I would sit her down and talk to her about the choices she made after she kind of calmed from the storm that happened. I would talk about those choices and tell her that even though it tastes good, it doesn't mean they're good for our bodies and remind her and ask her how she's feeling, what she's experiencing, so that she can understand that the food she eats is directly related to how she feels. To talk to her and tell her what is good for our bodies and why those foods are important, and then tell her about foods that make our bodies not feel good and sick. Trust me, our kids get it. They link food to how they feel if we show them that. So if we start to distinguish what they ate to how they feel, keeping the connection to the body alive from an early age, again, something most adults have problem with, and continuing with that. So now when I know she's going to encounter these foods, I just tell her the options. I will say, remember, today you are going to be given the option to eat this. You can definitely eat it, but I want you to remember how you feel when you eat it. If it's worth it to you, go ahead, but there will always be those other options. I generally list those other options and tell her that they probably won't make her feel the same way. And I know this seems out on the limb and maybe only something a crazy nutritionist would do, but I promise it works. It's two sentences. You don't have to eat it. You can if you want to. Remember, this is how it makes you feel, but here are some other options in case you decide not to feel that way. And I can promise it's amazing to see the effects of this. Now she'll ask me what will make her feel good. She wants to feel good. She knows there are foods that make her feel bad and she generally always wants to feel good as do your kids, as do you. So start to put the connection together to the food and the effect it has on our body and be amazed at the wise decisions your children can make. So just talk about food, help them to understand food, but never take away their food independence, no matter how much it stinks on your part. It's not worth the battle now, and they will thank you for not creating an internal battle later that lasts a lifetime. So an effort not to overwhelm you, I think we're going to wrap up part one in this two-part series there. It's a lot to take in, it goes against the grain, and most likely it goes way against how you were raised. Remember, we're all just trying to do what is best for our kids, and the biggest way we can change them is by leading by example. I'll get into this more in the next episode, But please, please, please don't expect your child to do or eat anything you wouldn't. It won't happen and they won't respect your advice. Most likely in the end, they will end up with the exact same eating patterns you have. Are you okay with that? Remember, your example is more important than words or structures or creating choices. Your child will only eat as healthy as you 
And the bottom line is, no matter how much we teach a child about health, if you don't have a healthy food on hand, they can't eat it. And if you don't show them how much you respect your body, they won't respect theirs. Hang in there. I know parenting is tough. I'm in the thick of it. But there are ways to create simplicity among eating and end the food wars. So your takeaways from this lesson is one, lead by example. Before you fix your kids, fix you. Create a lasting change inside of you, a desire to to be healthier, to eat healthier, and really leading that example and showing your excitement for that will flow over into them. The second one is create food independence by allowing them to choose what to eat and when to eat. Number three is stop forcing them to eat everything on their plate. This creates a bad mentality of the clean your plate mentality that so many adults struggle with and thus creates overeating. Which brings us to number four, stop forcing them to try new foods they despise. We all have food preferences. I don't think there's anyone on this earth that likes everything. We all prefer certain foods over others. And we'll get more into how you can greatly encourage this in the next lesson. But takeaway number five is leave the emotions of food out and create rewards and punishments that don't involve eating. This is huge. If we can just stick with the fact that food is meant to be enjoyed, but it's a life source. It's not comfort. It's not going to heal your emotional pains. It's not going to bring you excess happiness or peace. It's not going to bring you comfort. Food is meant to be life-bearing, and that is it. So we must leave the food out of it. So I hope this was helpful in helping you to change your thoughts on raising healthy eaters to end some of the food fights and know that it's not as complex as we make it. In the meantime, thanks for tuning in to yet another episode of Simple Roots Radio. I must say, I'm truly thankful for your love, support each and every day. You are the reason and you are worth health. So keep your head up and choose every day to be your best self. In the meantime, if you're in need of more accountability, family-friendly, delicious, and healthy meal plans, as well as motivation, encouragement, and additional tips set straight to your inbox, my passion is to help provide you more clarity and excitement in this health journey. So if you want to be a part of that, log on to simplerootswellness.com and sign up for my weekly meal plans delivered to your inbox every Thursday. Finally, as always, if you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you can stay up to date on the latest releases and the bonus episodes that will be coming your way. Also, if you have one minute out of your day to rate and review the show, I would be forever grateful. This really is the lifeblood that allows others to hear the word on this life-changing podcast. We've added a super fast link in the show notes that takes you right to the ratings and reviews without a million clicks. It works incredibly well, and you can find it at simplerootswellness.com slash review. Thanks for tuning in to yet another show. Stay tuned for part two of this two-part series on raising healthy eaters. Next week is all about the what. What should we be feeding our kids? The quick tips and the table rules that you're going to want to use to help foster and raise your children into being healthy young adults. Thanks for tuning in, and may we begin this week by respecting honoring, and becoming the example we want our kids to follow. Until next week, have a good one.